be careful with that ministry thing because you got to make money too. And it's like, I know. <laughs> I, I understand that. <laughs> that's, that's not, it's dawned on me. Like, Repentance is just a supernatural exchange of what you believe. Sheesh. We're so hardwired by culture, this hustle thing that we've got. We feel like we have to do something, and it's never been about that. Spiritual workaholic. All I know how to do is work for you, but that only produces cyclish natures in me because I don't know how to be loved by you. So naturally, the work I do for you could never be consistent. It can never be consistent for you if I'm not coming back to the replenishable, inexhaustible resource of the kingdom, which is love. To figure out what I can do to make God like me. And the entire point of the Bible, like you just said, is God screaming, I love you. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Kingdom Vision Podcast. I am here with one of my good friends, Colton Ernst. What's up, everybody? Thank you, bro, for being here, dude. Thanks dude, for having me. I am so stoked for this episode. Me and Colton, we have been talking about, uh, I've never used this term, but beloved identity. There's a guy by the name of Damon Thompson. I don't know if you've seen Damon Thompson. I've listened to him a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so Damon Thompson talks about beloved identity, and you've been saved. You've been saved for how many years? Um, a little over a year and a half. A little over yeah. a year and a half, which is still crazy. I've been almost saved four years. In February, it'll be four years. So I, because when I first met you, I thought you had been saved for a while. Just because, do you have a fo- uh, photographic memory, or did I make that up? No, I'm very, yeah. So is it? So you can, if you see it, you'll remember it forever. What's the extent of your photographic memory? It's not like that instantaneous. Have you seen? I mean, have you seen Suits? Suits. The, the TV show. He has a photo. No. He's a lawyer, and he has a photographic memory. Oh, so no. he has a cheat code. It's not like that. It's not like. It's not like instantaneous, but it's pretty. It's pretty strong. Like I don't have to I don't have to see something very many times for it yeah. to be pretty pretty stuck. Because that's what I was saying when I first met you. You knew so much scripture. I was like this dude has to have been saved a few years because of how much he knows, but kind of go into I don't even know if you have this much of a 360 or this much of a big perspective, but this thought question just came to my mind. You said this last it's fine. You said this last two months month and a half has been really wrecking you do you when you first got saved to like these last two months understanding just the radical nature of the gospel i mean what do you do you are you aware enough to make a distinction to like man i just was maybe i was just wrecked by just the love of god in general like what what is what's been the distinction from the two you know i heard pastor william talk about it recently it's like when we first get saved it's so easy for us to embrace, yeah, this is completely grace because we've literally done nothing good for God. Mm-hmm. And so that's the only way that it can be. It has mm-hmm. to be pure grace. But then the longer we're in it, the longer we start to step into good works, whatever you want to call it, we step into it from a pure place, which is what I did, you know, yeah. being freshly saved. And then it, it transitions. It's like, Paul tells the Galatians, like, who has bewitched you, um, you know, being started by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I've, I fell into that, you know, thinking, like I said earlier, um, 
thinking that I had to keep doing this stuff or thinking, um, well, I haven't been praying enough, so God's probably not as pleased with me right now. Or I haven't been, you know, oh, I need to give more or I need to pray more. I need to get in the word more. And I had to really back up and examine, like, why am I feeling like I need to do that more? Mm -hmm. And it was from a place of not understanding how pleased he is with me. Like, not understanding, no, literally, he loves me as much as he loved Jesus. And that's what's just been wrecking me. Bonkers. Getting into a deeper deeper understanding of that and i mean i still have so far to go but i'm but you're like we it's crazy because i was even looking up the definition of condemnation before you came because we use condemnation a lot in sermons and just in conversation but it's kind of a hard word but it's like the a word that it talks about fear of being punished Uh, It's a status of being in disapproval with punishment attached to it. So when we say that if you are feeling, and and guilt guilt is attached to it too, but when we talk about if you are feeling condemned, what we're really saying is that something in you thinks that God's not happy with you and there's punishment on the other side of it because you didn't wake up and read your Bible this morning. I've heard this, I heard a line, someone say like this, bro, Peter Lewis, bro, you got to listen to Peter Lewis, bro. He said, if it didn't exist in Jesus, you have permission to renounce it. Wow. Jesus never sinned. So we're going to have to read between the lines here, but Jesus says, I have his righteousness. So would Jesus want me to feel condemned right now? So we have to, a lot of times we don't even understand what we're feeling, but we mess up. Would Jesus want us to be beating ourselves up, kicking ourselves in the foot, saying, gosh, dang it, I'm never going to get free from this sin in my life. I'm always going to struggle with this sin. Would Jesus be approve, would approve that mindset? I would say he would rebuke you and say, I love you. Because deep down in that, that's an orphan spirit saying that you, are, you don't have my love or my, my love is not enough for you that you're trying to do it on your own. And that's the crazy part is that when we ask, does, would Jesus approve, would Jesus be approve of you being guilty all the time because of a sin you committed last week? Mm. Law and grace. When you think about it, what, uh, do you have verses that come to your mind? You have one pulled up. Like, what do you, what do you think about when you think of law and grace and the nature of them? Um, so to just start on the topic of the law going back to its origin um moses ten commandments mount sinai um moses had to climb his way up to god yeah he had to painfully like work his way up to the top of the mountain to receive the law and that in and of itself is like a picture of the curse of the law Right, we feel like we're working our way up towards God, and I just thought that that was like that's pretty a- pretty profound. That that's the the way that the law originated is like a man working Same his thing. way, yeah, trying to climb his way painfully. Like, I mean, dude was old at that point, so he's like, yeah. I'm sure he's struggling to make it up the mountain, and so, and so many times that's like 
when we're under that curse of the law, that's how it feels. Although it feels like we're always ascending. We're we're never, yeah, we're never going to reach the top. Um, and yeah, I was just thinking about second Corinthians three, um, start in verse four. He just says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And so, I mean, that right there is already like, we have confidence towards God through Christ. How? You know, how? He has made us sufficient. Crazy. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry of death, talking about the law, carved in letters on stone, Ten Commandments, came with such glory that the Israelites (laughs) could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory. Crazy. The law, the Ten Commandments, the the curse of the law came with that much glory. Mm-hmm. They could not behold Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end. Yep. Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, Paul calls the law the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory, the law, has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Bro, can I say something real quick on that? The ministry of death, when Moses went up the hill, there was a million people. There's a there's a nation of people, million of people Looking at this this mountain, thunder, lightning, th- clouds swarming this mountain. Moses walks in it. The it's the earth is shaking. There's so much thunder. Moses even comes down, and his face is in uh, is glowing. Like his face is glowing, and the people like bow down and like are trying to worship Moses. Not only that, there's a trumpet that is blaring. Imagine, this is going to give me goosebumps right now, that the trumpet is blaring louder, 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 louder. A million people worshiping. There's no music. There's no pad going. There's no band. There's just the raw sound of thunder, a trumpet. That Where is it coming from? I don't know, but it's stupid loud. And a million people worshiping. Yet, it's the ministry of death. More glory then that lives inside of us and lives inside of us lives in me in my skin yep <laughs> but i do want to say the first thing that came to my mind when you said that is romans says is the law i think it's romans 6 says well then is the law bad is the law sin paul calls it the ministry of condemnation but is the law itself bad by no means no. the law is good the law was given as a tutor the law was given as guardrails to point to hey like Y'all are struggling with sin. Yeah, he calls he calls the law a guardian. Like guardian. he says the law was put without the law there's no knowledge of sin. Like 
Yes. Exactly what you're saying. And so it's it's a guardian and it's a tutor pointing us, ultimately trying to point us to, I think it was to help the nation of Israel walk better because they're running rampant with idol worship, sexual morality, all of the things. And so it's, hey, like let's get us get back on track and pointing to G, ultimately to Jesus, which we will, which we will find. But it's funny how the Pharisees, though that was supposed to point them to Jesus, they made an idol of the very thing that was supposed to point them to that to the coming Messiah. But the sin itself, the law, the commandments are not itself bad. Even First Timothy, I think it says that that the law is wisdom. You shall not covet just because I'm under grace doesn't mean I can start coveting. Yeah. Okay. You honor your father and mother. Just because I'm under grace still means I honor my father and mother. The law is still good, but it's the power that in Matthew 5, it says you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect to appease the law. If the ministry of death means you have to adhere to this law perfectly. That's why it's the ministry of death because no person can do it perfectly. That's why the God man Jesus had to come. And do it perfectly. But here's the here's the crazy part, bro. Okay, so so we have this understanding of Jesus, right? That he came and he lived. So he they gave the ministry of death. He Jesus came and he lived out this law. I think some someone told me one time that there's roughly 612 laws around there. Um, even added laws added on. But anyways, Jesus comes, lives the law perfectly as we couldn't he dies for the sins of the world as the perfect spotless lamb the holy spirit quickens his body he's raised from the dead he's on the earth 40 days and then he ascends into heaven for what purpose did he just stay in heaven and say did he just stay in heaven and say i did it you can't now keep on struggling and like like does that make sense i'm trying to articulate it did did he live the perfect life we couldn't live die resurrect and ascend into heaven and then that was the end of the story and he said you're still going to struggle forever but i just wanted to show you that i could do it and you can't but one day when you die and go to heaven you'll, you'll be saved from all this struggling and it's like that would be a logical conclusion if jesus did not send the holy spirit yeah if, if if Jesus didn't send the Holy Spirit, one could say, wow, I'm going to struggle my whole life. It says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Okay. I'm not perfect. Jesus did what no other man could do outside of being God. Yeah. Yet, I have God inside of me now, so now I can do the very things that Jesus did. I can walk in righteousness. Sin no longer will have to have dominion over me. Because of what reason? Is this, is this prideful? Core, Core, are you saying that there's something special about you that you can just like not struggle with sin anymore? I'm saying, no, no, no. Christ is inside of me. And if Christ did a numerous amounts of things, now Christ, the Christ in me, it's a, it's a crazy thought to think that I would still struggle with the things that I struggled with before having the Holy Spirit. If I have the Holy, same Holy Spirit yeah. that I hovered over the face of the waters that descended upon Jesus that's a third member of the trinity does that make does that make sense yeah yeah for sure it's like it says in Romans 6 like how can those who died to sin still live in it and it's like we've been set free we've been set free and 
through the power of the Holy Spirit, like we have that freedom, that power to step into that. Um, and so many times, like even kind of going along the lines of what I was talking about, of just being, getting caught up in that religious rat race or still, you know, you're being, you're, you're set free in the aspect of you're saved, but you're still struggling. You're still dealing with all this other stuff. And, um, a while back, the Lord gave me this picture that you, you, the chains can be broken, but so many times we walk around with the shackles still on our wrists and they're still weighing us down. They're still slowing us down. The chains are ultimately broken, but there's still that residual that ultimately the Lord wants to completely set us free from. But for whatever reason, one way or another, we tolerate it. Wow. It's like the chains are broken. We're walking around, but they're still, and we're like tripping over them. Yeah. So how would you say that so we're we've identified the problem how do people get rid of them good question, good question <laughs> yeah um man i have to think on that for a second honestly and that's what i i'm a, i'll go and then you can think while i go i think how to get rid of them the two things I've learned that have transformed my Christian life is that there's only one thing that can actually move the needle to take me from point A to point B, sin to no longer sin, unrighteous to righteous, you name it, and it's the presence of Jesus. There is something transformational about when you open your heart and you begin to pray, and you begin to worship, and you begin to engage with God, that then He begins to love on you. He begins to pour His love out on you, and it and your it's a supernatural exchange daily. There was a supernatural exchange on the cross one time, finally and fully, my sin for Jesus' righteousness, but there's an already but not yet mm. kind of going on too, where daily I get to have that interaction too, where I'm not unrighteous and righteous anymore but i'm also carrying things i have this weight i'm still i'm still human so my fellowship with the father i can daily give him this baggage and he can daily kind of replenish my spirit at the same time and that only comes by prayer and worship by engaging with god so it's like how i keep tripping over my chains in this life like i know i'm free but i still keep tripping up it's like everything you want is on the other side of his presence and it's so counterintuitive because we want to, hey, here's the three steps to get free from sin. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's that's not how God works. Yeah, yeah. And I think just to even build off of that, going back to identity is like coming into that full identity, that sonship mindset, yeah. right? Because we have to realize we're not orphans anymore. Like we've been adopted like he has purchased us with his blood. He has given us the glory that he had. Jesus said that John 17, I've given them the glory that I had. Um, yeah. And just stepping into being a son, 
letting the Father, through the power of His love, transform us through through repentance. I mean, repentance is just like repentance is just a supernatural exchange of what you believe, right? Wow. And so, it's like sheesh. <laughs> That's a bar low key, dude. Letting, letting the Lord rid you of everything that doesn't look like Him, and it's not, it's not based on your works. And I think that's so often what it comes back to is we're so hardwired by the world, by just culture, this hustle thing that we've got, like. We feel like we have to work for it. We feel like we have to do something, and it's never been about that. The only thing that needed to be done was done 2,000 years ago on a cross by the only part man, part God that could ever accomplish it. It's already been done. It's been purchased. Like, Tell him. And you just have to accept that. All the time I get people telling me, I love Jesus. Jesus is amazing. He means so much to me. And I pair that with I need to be a good person because he means so much to me. Could I tell you that if you think you need to be a good person, that that means you probably don't love him like you think you do. Like if you if you love Jesus so much, and the response that you draw, the thing that's produced is, I want to be a good person. I think you're confused with the Jesus of the Bible. That's like you get it. Yeah, you're getting the order of operations out of order here. And it's it's got to, it, it has to stem from a place of first realizing how much he loves you. Yes. How much, what he's already done. How it's not, we're striving to get closer to God. It's realizing how close he's already come to us yes and if it starts from that place mm. then we can grow into a love for him yes I mean, the scripture says that we we only know love because he first loved mm. us um and then out of that him loving us us loving him good works are produced yes we're not here like trying to rile against good works like good works will be produced from a pure and sincere faith but it has to start from that place of understanding your identity, understanding how loved you are, how righteous he has made you. Because if it's not if it's not from a position of that, you're you're trying to work for something. You're not work you're you're trying to work for love, you're not working from love. The greatest work that anyone could ever do is to just be in a position to where Jesus, I'm here to receive love from you. That's the hardest thing for a human being to do the hardest bro that's it's like i'm shook i'm, I'm honestly shook because the hardest thing we talk about good works we're talking about this really like, you must know your he loved us first so then we can love others everything is on the other side of the hardest thing it is for a person to do is to be able to sit down and receive tangibly not just in knowledge right but experientially say i'm experiencing the love of jesus right now and in experiencing him like figuratively wrapping his arms around me though he's not bodily here but the holy spirit being in his presence receiving his love it changes something in our hearts supernaturally yeah but for some reason it's the hardest thing to do for some reason the first response to when we think oh i love jesus the first response is always go do a good work 
why is it not, let me go sit in his presence and be loved? Why is it, Jesus is so, means so much to me, then why is the first response, I want to go do something good for him and not just sit in his presence? Isn't that crazy? Bro, I'm, I'm literally just, <laughs> you just exactly described Mary and Martha. Tell it. Martha, distracted. Tell it. She's doing all this stuff for Jesus, getting everything prepared. Um, Tell it. She's literally, I think the Bible says, distract or distracted with pre- uh, preparations, distracted with much serving. Yep. Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. Sitting at Jesus' feet. Not helping Martha prepare, not working, sitting at Jesus' feet. And Martha, which is a picture of works, which is a picture of religion, has a problem with it. (laughs) And she says, Lord, tell her to help me. People getting offended. She's... People getting offended right now, Colton. <laughs> I'm not trying to offend anybody. Tell it. Tell it. Um, she says, Lord, tell her to help me. And Jesus says, Martha, you're worried about many things, but few things are necessary. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. I hear a big one that I've heard a lot of people tell me, like, be careful with that ministry thing because you got to make money, too. And it's like, I know. <laughs> I'm, I, I understand that. <laughs> that's not, that's not, it's dawned on me, like, that's and I've, I've counted the cost. Okay, I'm still going to follow Jesus. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, what you're saying is where she, Martha was literally in that moment worried about cooking food, cleaning the house, preparing a table for the Lord. While Mary was like, bump all that, I'm going to go sit at Jesus' feet. Likewise, we have so many rival longings and thoughts and, and things stealing our attention in this life that rival actively come against. We don't think, wow, I need to make money so then I could live this life. We don't think that on the surface that's in rival, that's in competition with Jesus but when you dig down to the root it is because it's stealing your attention attention is the currency of the kingdom <laughs> bro <laughs> bro <laughs> bro I don't even know what I just said I don't even know what I just said that was the Holy Spirit bro attention is the currency of the kingdom <laughs> bro attention is the currency of the kingdom if your attention is being Divided up between seven, six, you have eight to nine tabs open at all times in your head, then of course your attention cannot be completely on the Lord. And so on the surface, wow, like making money for the kingdom, that's not bad. Where's your attention? I would rather be the person that my attention's on the Lord and the Lord has to tell me to do something. Okay, I'm going to follow the scriptures and, and everything that's, you know, commanded, but I'm going to bear the fruits of the spirit. I'm going to follow the commandments because like we just said, the law has been a tutor. The law is still wisdom. Even though we're on the covenant the covenant of grace, the law is still good. I would rather fix my, after, after all that, I'm, I'm adhering, I'm walking by the Spirit. Okay, my attention's on Jesus. Now, Lord, you tell me to go do something, and then I'll go do it. I'm going to sit at Jesus' feet like like Mary. And if Jesus told Mary, hey, go help Martha, okay, then I'm going to go help Martha. Oh, yeah, that's what, that's what I was thinking literally a minute ago. It's like, you best believe when Mary got up from Jesus' feet, she wasn't like, well... Don't have to do anything else now. Like the, 
the effect of being at Jesus' feet produces action, but it has to start from a place of being at Jesus' feet. And do you not think Jesus did it on purpose that almost every parable and every story is all about the love he has for us told differently? The parable of the hidden treasure is about the love he had for us. He, he, He saw treasure in us. Of course, Jesus is our treasure. We love Jesus, but only because he was our treasure. We were his treasure first. Yeah. The prodigal son, all of these beautiful, the, the treasures of the fine pearl, all of these things are about his love for us. And people read the Bible lost, confused. Why do I not find it attractive to read the Bible? And it's like, well, you're not, it's not going to be fun to read it if you're missing the main point of the whole book, which is, I love you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because people read it from the lens of, I need to figure out. Let me extract and apply. I need to figure out what I can do to make God like me. And the entire point of the Bible, like you just said, is God screaming, I love you. We have a bunch of spiritual workaholics. (laughs) Dude, we have a bunch of spiritual workaholics for real. Like, we, we don't want to sit and spiritually rest. And that means it's not confusing. It means just like, hey, let me rest in Jesus. Let me just experience you outside of anything I can do for you. Outside of ministry, outside of social media, outside of church, outside of relationships. Let me just sit in your presence, me and you one-on-one, and let's just hang out. My first podcast I released, I stopped podcasting for 250 days. Here's what I learned. This is what I learned, that I did not know how to be alone with God. I did not know how to sit in his presence and not fidget because I'm a spiritual workaholic. All I know how to do is work for you, but that only produces cyclist natures in me because I don't know how to be loved by you. So naturally, the work I do for you could never be consistent. It can never be consistent for you if I'm not coming back to the replenishable, inexhaustible resource of the kingdom, which is love. How can, how can my works for Jesus be fueled and be consistent and never waver if I'm not adhering and connected to the lifeline, the vine as John 15, I'm the, he is the vine, I'm the branch. Can a fruit grow attached to the vine three days a week? No, it grows every day attached. It grows attached. It never becomes unattached until it gets picked. But we, as Christians, we go and we attach, we detach. We attach, we detach. And it's like, no. And wonder why we're not growing. And wonder why there's no growth in our life. It's because you have it twisted, bro. (laughs) You have it backwards. so good. Isn't it crazy? That's so good. I'm flabbergasted after that one. Bro, that that was good. Spiritual workaholics. That was good. That's another episode of the King Division podcast. Appreciate you, bro, for coming on. I appreciate you having me, man. Dude, it. it was a good one. It was good. Lots of content recorded today. Um, we pray it blessed you. Subscribe, like, send these to friends. We'll see you in the next one. God bless.